Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. Okay, I know this episode isn't about North Korea, but, listeners, I could not pass up this anniversary. Today is May 23rd, 2018, and it is, as I am sure you all know, the 400th anniversary of the second defenestration of Prague. Happy Defenestration Day, everyone. Now, of course, defenestration is one of the best words in the English language. And today, I think, is a good day for celebrating long, ornate words. But defenestration is great because it's not just a kind of absurd word. It's a also sort of absurd and terrible action. It refers to throwing something, or in this case, someone, out of a window. And in two instances, in Prague, in what is now the Czech Republic, throwing people out of windows was no small thing. So there was the first defenestration of Prague. And that is the one that people kind of gloss over. It happened in 1419 when a group of churchgoers got into a dispute with Prague's town council. The congregation ended up storming the town hall, and they ended up chucking seven members of the council out the window, killing all of them. So who says you can't fight City Hall? Sometimes you can show up at City Hall as an angry mob, go in there, and throw people out of windows. But that's not what we're commemorating today. Today, is the 400th anniversary of the second defenestration of Prague, because apparently window chucking is just one of the ways that you can solve political problems in this old and storied European city. So, the second one. In the 1500s, the Holy Roman Empire allowed nobles to enforce their own religion on their subjects. So, if a local prince was Catholic or Protestant or worshipped a flying spaghetti monster or whatever, so did all of their subjects. Never mind the subjects' inner lives or religious opinions about transubstantiation, consubstantiation, or the flying spaghetti monster. How the guy in charge worshipped? Well, so did you. What he believed, you believed. The kings of Bohemia, within the Holy Roman Empire, though, were fairly chill. They themselves were Catholic, but they let their subjects, who were mostly Protestant, do basically whatever they wanted to. And this was considered to be massively progressive and accommodating at the time. And one of these rulers, Matthias, let Protestants build churches, have assemblies, and do whatever it is Protestants do, not just on their own lands, but also on royal lands. So Matthias was Catholic, but hey, if these Protestants wanted to, you know, gather in groups and worship as they pleased on his land, he was cool with that. But Matthias could not rule forever. Toward the end of his reign, the heir to the throne of Bohemia, Ferdinand, started to run things, and he was a bit more of a Catholic hardliner. In 1618, Ferdinand rolled back a lot of what his predecessor had allowed, and said that there would be no more Protestanting on royal land. No more chapels or churches, no more assemblies, no more uncatholic stuff happening anywhere in the royal lands of Bohemia. 
he was going to have a clubhouse and he was going to paint a great big no Protestants allowed sign on the outside. Naturally, the Protestant nobles and probably the people under the Protestant nobles were somewhat annoyed by this. They had gotten used to being able to practice their religion and have their own assemblies and churches and whatnot, and a lot of them had a lot of power and influence bound up in churchly associations. So they were a bit put out by this. On May 23rd of 1618, a group of them showed up at the Bohemian Chancellery in Prague to air their grievances. Uh, what was especially confusing to them is that Matthias, who had been, after all, fairly nice to them and allowed them to Protestant as much as they wanted, was still alive. Ferdinand the heir was running things and making trouble for them, and they really wanted to know what was happening here. The old king wasn't dead yet. Why was the heir running stuff and already trampling all over their rights? Who was in charge here and what was going on, and could they please have their churches and assemblies back? Anyway, the group of Protestant nobles got into a heated argument with the two Catholic officials there, two guys known as regents. And this argument culminated in the Protestant nobles pushing the two Catholic regents and a hapless member of their staff out of a third-story window, and the three men fell 70 feet. But, unlike the victims of the first defenestration of Prague, who all died, the three ejected victims survived. They fell and they were not necessarily okay, but they were able to walk away from it. And I think that's why we can kind of laugh at this today. Catholics claimed that they had been saved by the Virgin Mary and by the Holy Spirit, who had caught them and interceded as they fell. Protestants said that the Catholic officials and their hapless staff member only survived because they fell into a conveniently placed dung heap. I suspect that the truth is neither of these things. They just survived because they survived. And later on, one of the guys who survived the fall got ennobled by the Holy Roman Emperor as, I am not making this up, the Baron of Highfall. But the second defenestration of Prague was only the first act of violence in what would become a fairly long, drawn-out conflict. The Thirty Years' War consumed a lot of what is now Germany and Central Europe in a big fight over who got to be Catholic and who got to be Protestant. These wars ended with the Treaty of Westphalia, which kinda, sorta, accidentally started our modern nation-state system. The idea that different states are co-sovereign, that they are in equal power with each other, and the only thing that keeps them in check is a balance of power among states. If you hang out with international relations nerds, they will probably talk about the Westphalian system at some point, and it was founded by the treaty, which ended the Thirty Years' War, which started with the defenestration. But again, happy defenestration day, one and all. And I think today we should mark the occasion by celebrating other very long and absurd words. Words like philatelism, which is stamp collecting, or lepidoptery, which is what you do if you're one of those people who decides to collect butterflies and moths. There's pharaohequinology, the study of trains, 
There's pseudo-pseudo-hypoparathyroidism, which is a genetic condition that you should probably get checked out if you have it. There's phloxinoxinohilopilification, a word probably invented as a joke at English boarding schools, meaning to basically regard something as unimportant. And honorific abilitudinatibus, which means that you are in a state to receive honor. That one comes from Love's Labor's Lost, and I pity the actor in that production who has to say that. And of course, there's the ever-popular long word that my friends and I would always bat back and forth in school when we needed a long word to just be out there, anti-disestablishmentarianism, which actually is a real thing. It means that you are somebody who opposes the separation of church and state in England. But none of these seem to be as visceral and vivid and satisfying as finding someone or something that you don't like and chucking it out a window. So from the bottom of my sesquipedalian heart, sesquipedalian means that you like very long words, happy defenestration day, one and all. And honorific, honorific, honorificabilitudinatibus, oh, fuck, honorificabilitudinatibus, oh my god.